When I was growing up, I remember going to my grandparents' house. Anybody remember going to your grandparents' house growing up? And we'd go to my grandparents' house, and we would go there around this one idea that we were going to eat. That the whole family, cousins, aunts, uncles, we got at their house for the sole purpose of eating, but I can't remember anything that we ate. I can't remember any of the, the physical meals, like what was it I was putting in my mouth, but I do remember lots of other things. I remember having lots of fun with my cousins. I remember getting in fist fights with my cousins. I remember finding a yellow jacket's nest and why that's a bad thing one time. Breaking my arm while trying to play basketball. A lot of what we do, and you probably have memories like that too, of, of times where you're gathered with people, maybe it's family, friends, but you're gathered for the purpose of eating and, and sitting around the table, but you remember much more than just what you ate. Our culture's a lot like that. We, that's why we get together a lot. Hey, let's do lunch. Come over for dinner. And we're not just saying, let's get together and consume some calories. We don't say it like that. What we're using the meal for is a reason to just get together. Now, not everybody's like that. Some people, I mean, they eat just for the joy of the food. I have this good friend who's a considerably larger man than me. We're about the same height, but he's probably double the width and double the weight. I remember one night, it's like 10.30 at night, we're in this restaurant, and he orders up a full-on steak dinner. And he's like, aren't you going to have anything to eat? And I was like, uh, no, it's kind of late, you know. And, and he was like, Donnie, that's the difference between you and me. You eat to live. I live to eat. That's the difference between us two. So for some people, it's all about the food. Now, for other people, it's about, it's about the setting. It's just about the perfect setting for, the, for a meal or to get together. Let's just, let, let's set everything just right. Let's do it at just the right time. Let's, let's make sure we do it all just right and let's show our appreciation or, or let's eat everything that's on the table. And for some, so for some people, it's all about the setting. One of my trips to Ecuador, they took us out in the, the really backwoods in the, in the way, way, way out from middle of, in the middle of nowhere and every time we would go to one of these little churches, they had a meal for us. If we went four times in the morning, every place had a meal. And that's, what, that's how they showed their appreciation. It was about the setting. Hey, we have these visitors coming in. They're going to help plant churches in our country. We want to feed them. And so when we get there, something, something you have to understand about me, I, like, I'm afraid of germs. That's one of my big fears. Germs is like a big deal. I, I've already been by the hand sanitizer twice this morning. You can still shake my hand. That doesn't freak me out. But very soon after that, don't be offended. I'll be <laughs> lathering up with the hand sanitizer. So we're out in this backwoods place, and the guys have already told us, look, you need to eat whatever they put out there. Just deal with it. And so we get, we get in line, we go in this little cinder block building, and there's nothing at the top but chicken wire, and there's this big pan of what they said was tuna salad, uh, but it had a lot of mayonnaise, a lot of mayonnaise in it, and a lot of, I, I, I'm assuming, tuna in it, because that's what they said it was. And there were flies everywhere, and I'm thinking, okay, we're a long way from the beach, so whatever tuna got there, it, it traveled a long way before it got in that pan. And I don't see any electric around, uh, around here, so how is that mayonnaise staying cool? That means somebody made it somewhere else and carried it here, and there's a lot of flies, and oh my gosh. So I'm going through the line, and I just got to confess, I totally deceived the people that were feeding us. They were standing behind us. I got two pieces of bread, and I did my hand like I was putting 
tuna on there and I didn't do it. And I just put the piece of bread together and I sat down. And for like all that week, I had bread sandwiches. <laughs> they thought, I, and they, the, so for some people, it's just all about, it's all about the setting. It's all about the, and for, for some people, when it comes to a meal, it's, it's about people. It doesn't matter what you eat. It's just, it's the way you build relationship. When Cinda and I were dating in college, I didn't have any money. She didn't have any money. So I took her to the finest dining places around campus, which were like, it was like Taco Bell, uh, Burger King, places like that. And I don't remember thinking, oh man, I can only take her to these really cheap places because I don't have any money. I just remember thinking, I get to go to dinner with this girl that I really like. And we sat across from an 89 cent burrito and we got to know each other. So for some people, that's what happens at a meal. We, we do that. We, we mark special occasions. Guys, your wives, kids, your parents, you, you better have them, or your mothers, you better have them at a restaurant on Mother's Day, right? It's one of the biggest restaurant days of the year, celebrating special occasion around the table. Around the table, news gets delivered. Around the table, people confess things. Around the table, conversations are had. Maybe that's why in Jesus' ministry, if you look at the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, 25% of the words about Jesus have to do with him having dinner with people. Of him sitting down with people across across the table and enjoying a meal. He ate with friends, he ate with his disciples, he ate with religious leaders, and he even ate with people nobody else would eat with. People who felt rejected. People who felt like they were too dirty or too messed up to get any attention from anybody that was a religious leader. And Jesus sat across the table with them to show them you are accepted for who you are. I want you to change, but I accept you because you're you, because you exist. And I will spend time with you. And because of that, Jesus got accused of being a glutton. He got accused of being a drunkard. But there's one story in the life of Jesus that is the most meaningful meal that he had. The most meaningful time that that people would celebrate for the next 2,000 plus years. We're going to look at that story today. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. If you don't have one, it's yours to keep. If you'd like to borrow it, you can do that. You can also read along on the screen today. So we're in this series called The Story, and we've been looking at from, from the very beginning of time all the way up through uh, God establishing the nation of Israel. We talked about uh, the Israelites going through the, the Red Sea on dry ground. We talked about King David. We talked about how the nation was rebellious, how they uh, came back to God, then went away from God, and how they found themselves desperate for a Savior. Jesus shows up on the scene, and for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the three-year time span that Jesus had his ministry on earth. We've talked about his miracles, the way he interacted with people, the way people actually began to believe the truth that this guy, Jesus, was God in the flesh. And so now we're up to this last week in the life of Christ. And this is what has become to be known as Passion Week, or the Holy Week. The week where Jesus comes into Jerusalem with great celebration. The week where Jesus ends up being betrayed. And eventually, Jesus is in his darkest hour when he is crucified and he dies 
on the cross. And just a few days prior to all that happening, in fact, on a, on a Thursday night probably, Jesus was gathered with His disciples to celebrate this Jewish holiday. And it's recorded in Luke 22, beginning at verse 7. It's on page 804 if you got one of those Bibles we just handed out. It says, Now the festival of the unleavened bread arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go prepare the Passover meal so we can eat together. So like they did every year, they're getting ready to celebrate this meal together. The Passover, the Jewish Passover. Now Passover is very significant to this story I'm going to talk about today. Because you have to rewind 1,500 years to understand the significance of Passover. 1,500 years before this time when Jesus is sitting around the table with his disciples, Moses appeared before Pharaoh who was holding God's people as slaves, making them build his cities. He was mistreating them. It was slave labor. They were trapped. And God sends Moses to free them. And he goes before Pharaoh and says, I need you to let my people go. Let God's people go. Let us leave. We have this promised land we're going to. Pharaoh says, no. So Moses comes back. I really need you to let him go. No. Well, then Moses says, well, God's going to send 10 plagues upon Egypt. And bad things are going to happen. Pharaoh still says no. And so the plagues start. There's the plague of frogs. There's the plague of uh, water, all the water turning to blood. There's the plague of locusts and boils. There's a bunch of them. So we go through nine plagues. Moses comes back through and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh still says no. And then the last plague, the plague of the firstborn, which said that the firstborn son in all households in Egypt would die if Pharaoh did not let God's people go. And Pharaoh had it in his power to free all these kids, to make sure they were safe, and he refused. And so Moses goes to God's people and he says, look, this is what's getting ready to happen. This plague of the firstborn is about to come. And the angel of death is going to come upon Egypt. And all these firstborn sons will die. But you will be spared. And here's what you need to do. You need to take a spotless lamb. And you need to sacrifice that lamb from your herd. And you need to prepare that, prepare that for a celebration but you need to take the blood from that lamb and you need to put it over your doorpost. And when you put that blood of that lamb over your doorpost, the angel of death will know those are God's people in there. They have made sacrifice. They have shown God they are his followers. And the angel of death will pass over you. And so then the angel comes, all the firstborn sons in Egypt die. Pharaoh finally lets God's people go. And they're having this great celebration. And Moses reminds them, hey, don't, don't forget this. Don't forget that God passed you over. That you were protected by your sacrifice. In fact, tell your kids about it. Have a meal. Have a celebration once a year to remember this. And when they say, Mom, Dad, what's this about? You tell them it's to remember when God protected us. When the angel of death was near, we were protected from it because of our sacrifice. And God 
delivered. And he said, don't forget it. So 1,500 years later, Jesus is in this room in a house with his disciples, and he's sitting down at a table, and he's getting ready to celebrate this meal, this Passover meal that, that they had celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so he says, go out and make preparation. It's actually a pretty good meal. He says, go get the lamb, uh, slaughter the lamb, uh, roast the lamb, put the herbs on it like we like it, get the bread out, get the wine out, we're going to have a celebration. And so Jesus starts this celebratory meal of what God had done, and he says this. In Luke 22, beginning at verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is sitting at a table. It would have been a little bit different than this. Uh, it, we, we don't really do this literally because they would have been reclined on the floor. I'm not doing that. Uh, they would have been wearing uh, dresses or you know gowns. I'm not doing that. Uh, they didn't take a shower every day. I'm doing that. So, so it's not like exactly, exactly like uh, they did it. But, but the, the idea was they're around this table and they're around this table for three to five hours. Try that with your kids this week. Sit down whenever you sit down and say, hey, three to five hours, let's talk. See how the meal goes. So here they are for three and a half hours. What did they do for that three and a half hours? Well, they talked. They talked about how life was going. They talked about how God was working in their life. They talked about how they saw God working in other people's lives. They talked about their, their, their fears. They talked about their inadequacies. They talked about how they wanted to do things better. They just shared life around this table. So for three to five hours, they're sitting there having this meal together. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're used to like our drive through meals on the way to practice, right? Like get the, get the meals in the back. Let the, make sure the kids eat before they got to go back to this or that. But they sat down and they enjoyed this time together. And interesting things started to happen at this table. Much like maybe your table, interesting things happen as well. They started arguing about who was the greatest. Jesus' followers started looking at each other saying, I'm better than you. I'm going to be before you. I mean, your kids, are, whose kids argue at the table? Tell the truth. Come on, it's church. Come on. Yeah, sometimes our kids can get in an argument, or we can get in an argument at the table. It kind of turns dinner in a different way. And so some interesting things start to happen as they're sitting at this table. Jesus looks and says, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, there's no way. Yeah, you're going to do it. Judas gets up and leaves and, and goes to make preparations to betray Jesus. And then Jesus speaks up and does something that would have totally blown these Jewish boys' minds. They're celebrating the Passover for the past 1,500 years as a people. They're thinking that this meal is to remember when the angel of death passed over their people in Egypt. And Jesus says something that turns it all around. It says in verse 17, Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke 
broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, this is different. You think you're here to remember the exodus. You think you're here to remember when the angel of death passed over. But I'm taking these elements and now they mean something different. Because Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the sacrifice. And the blood is not going to be spread on a doorpost. The blood is going to be shed out of my body to forgive you as a new covenant that you can be forgiven. As a new covenant that when you are a follower of mine, you are always a follower of mine. As a new covenant that says the salvation that I give to all who would receive it is forever. A new covenant that says you don't have to walk through life filled with guilt and shame and fear because of what Jesus does. And Jesus is trying to get them to already to get into a routine. I want you to remember this. Every time I talk to somebody who's getting ready to accept Christ, follow him in baptism, I tell them, write down how you're feeling. Because if you've been a follower of Christ for very long, you know that it's not long until you start to think, did I, did I, really, did I really make a commitment? Did I really do that for the right reasons? So when people come up and say, I want to be baptized again, I was like, well, what do you mean again? Well, I'm not sure what I was thinking. Well, tell me about what you were thinking. Well, I knew I wanted to follow Jesus. Well, you don't need to be baptized again. You just need to remember why you got baptized in the first place. So it's healthy to sit and write it down so you remember. And Jesus is saying, take these elements and use them to remember me. Because Jesus knows that the human mind tends to forget. That the worries of life, that busyness, that the intensity of how we live causes us to just forget. And so Jesus is saying, I want to teach you something that will help you remember the forgiveness. That will help you remember the grace. That will help you remember the height to which I've brought you. And he says, use these elements to do that. Because it's so easy to forget. March 25th was one year since my dad died. One week before that, on March 18th, my dad and I went out to dinner. And we went right over there by 540 at Mimi's Cafe, and we sat in this particular booth, and we ate dinner together. The next day, he went into the hospital to have a procedure. He ended up dying a week later. Well, a few weeks ago, it was March 18th. It was on my calendar. I just went to Mimi's Cafe. I sat there. I thought about my dad. Sat there by myself and ate, got the same dessert we got. And I sat there and ate that little apple thing and, and ice cream. And I just had memories of my dad. And it was a powerful time. Had to have a, got to have a great conversation with the waitress about the whole thing. And I sat there and I just remembered all these great conversations that we had. Because I never want to forget that. I never want to stop feeling those feelings of, this is really good between me and dad. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to do something to remember. Because the significance of being with Christ, 
the significance of the meal that we're going to share together in just a minute is that he is that Passover lamb. He is that blood over the doorpost where, the, the, where God sees us, but he really doesn't see us. He sees the sacrifice of Jesus. And so when my life's a wreck, when things are tough, when I'm riddled with guilt or pain or doubt, what does God see? He doesn't see a person that's full of mistakes and pain and doubt and goof-ups. What he sees is the perfect, spotless lamb, Jesus, who was sacrificed for each of us. And Jesus is saying, you will forget that. And you don't want, I don't want you to forget that because life has a way of just beating you down. And if you remember that, God sees perfection when he sees you because I'm the Passover lamb whose blood's over the doorpost. And so when he passes over, he sees perfection you need to remember that so he gives us these elements to remember and so the meal was over and things start to move pretty fast and it goes through jesus's betrayal trial crucifixion death burial resurrection ascension into heaven all of his followers are left on earth to form the church the body of christ on earth and as soon as the body of christ on earth started getting together they started having this meal and the way it would have been for them they would have gathered and much like we gather large but then they would have also had these smaller gatherings where they got together and they they shared life they talked about what god was doing in their life I mean, the way we do it is technically not the way they would have done it because it would have been around a table. Somebody's sitting there, somebody's sitting there. And as they were eating, they would have said, here's what Jesus is doing in my life. Here's here's the struggles I have right now, but thank God that I am a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ. So the church begins on a regular basis. And it's morphed over the centuries how the church celebrates it. But the bottom line is Jesus wants to be remembered by his followers, period. He wants us to remember him. And you may be brand new to church. This, this may be a, a brand new thing to you. And I'm talking about body and blood. And you're like, that's kind of weird. What's he talking about? What does all that mean? And, and, and we're saying we're going to share this meal together. And it's like, that's a very small piece of bread. How are all of us going to do that? Well, I'll tell you in just a moment. When I was little, I remember uh, going to church, and church was two hours long. It was like real church. I mean, two hours long we were at church. And I couldn't understand why the adults got this snack in the middle. I was like, I would like a snack. Why can I not have this snack? And later I started to understand, okay, it's not crackers and grape juice to like tide them over to lunch. This is something that means something to people who follow Christ. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, understand those of us who are, we need to remember We need to remember what Christ has done in our life. So there's a table here today. Not not this literal table, but there's a table that we're we're all around together. We can't discuss and talk and all that, but, but we can remember. We can think about the height to which Christ has brought us. We can think about all the things that this Passover lamb has done for us. And in the back of your seats, they're, they're the same elements that I have right here. And if you're a follower of Christ, I invite you to take those out. Joel's coming out and he's going to share a song with us. And when he's finished with that song, I want to come back and guide us through the sharing of this meal together.
table, Jesus took those elements that you have in your hand and he took the bread and you have bread, just pull back that top layer and he broke it and he said this is my body and my body's given for you and he said take and eat and remember Jesus took a cup. I would imagine he talked longer than what's recorded. I would imagine he talked about the Passover lamb. I would imagine he referred to the Jewish Passover and how now the blood that saved and that saves was going to be his. And the blood that makes us whole, perfect, and blameless would be his perfect and blameless blood that was about to be shed. And he said, drink this, and when you drink from this cup, remember me. And he said, take and drink. And they shared this meal together, and nothing was ever the same again. So there's, there's a couple things about the table that we learn from this episode and Jesus' ministry. There's a couple things you could write down to take away with you. One is the table is a place of remembering. This table that we're around every week, if, if you're a follower of Christ and 
you're here every week, we provide some way for you to be at least figuratively around a table to remember. Because I need to remember my forgiveness. I need to remember when I'm trying to do all these things to please God that He's saying, why are you doing that? Do it because you love me, but you don't have to do it to please me. You don't have to do it to earn anything from me because you're already perfect. You're already forgiven. And the table with Christ is a place to remember that. When guilt wells up in my heart, when pain comes into my life and confusion and doubt, the table is a place of remembering. Also from the ministry of Christ, we learn that the table is a place of connection. It's a place of ministry. There's actually, uh, this is hard to find, a chef who became a pastor. And this chef who became a pastor said this, It's good to be reminded that the table is a very ordinary place, a place so routine and every day it's easily overlooked as a place of ministry. Just having a meal, is, it's easy to overlook, hey, that's a pl- way to connect. That's a, it's not just something to throw down really fast. It's a way to connect with people. It's a way to connect with my family. Study after study shows that families who regularly eat meals together are healthier families. Kids are healthier kids. Emotionally speaking. There's less conflict, less drug use. All the stuff when families regularly eat together. Do you think it has to do with whether they eat fatty foods or not? No. It has to do with conversations that take place. And if you have little kids, I would encourage you to do it now because when they get older, it gets even harder. You've got to schedule it and it can't be as many days as it used to be. Do it now. Don't waste time. You can minister to and connect with your family around the table in ways you can't otherwise. The table is also a place of connection and ministry for other people who follow Christ where we can get together and share our hurts and our doubts and our, our mess-ups and hang-ups and, and, and ideas and dreams. And we can do that around the table. And the table is also a place of ministry for people that are far from Christ. Because I don't know if you've noticed, it's really ineffective to just kind of go up to somebody and say, if you don't know Jesus, uh, you're going to die in your sins. Most people don't respond to that. You can know all the Bible verses. Most people don't respond to that if you just yell them out at them. But when you have a conversation over a, over a cup of coffee or a meal and you get to know somebody and you start to share how Christ is working in your life, that meal can become holy. And I've shared Christ across the table probably more than any other way in my life on a personal one-on-one level of what He's done in my life and how He can change somebody else's life. And look at it this way. Who's going to eat in here? Just tell the truth. Come on now. You're going to eat. You're probably already thinking about eating because I've been talking about eating for 30 minutes. You're like, come on, I didn't eat breakfast today. need some help here. You're already going to eat. I'm just asking to eat strategically. You're already going to be around a table. Do it in a way that has an impact on your relationship with God, your relationship with your family and others and people who are far from God. So I encourage you to do that as you sit around the table. And may you leave here today remembering what Christ has done in your life. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this be one more thing that pulls you into the family of God that we can remember every week, every day, what He's done in our life. Let's pray. God, thank You for this meal that helps us remember. Remember what You've done.
Remember how you've worked in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.